Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Enjoy local voices. Enjoy local opinions. All on one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast DC is the new local app with hundreds of DC area podcasts. Featuring some of the DC area's best personalities, pundits, and provocateurs. Earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts you love instantly. With new programs being added every week, don't hesitate. Download Podcast DC now for free. Available in the App Store or in Google Play. Podcast DC. Listen local. Say It Loud Network presents Business of the Beat. Hi, I'm Kendra Bracken Ferguson, and I am a founder, brand builder, entrepreneur, and believe in the mantra, Carpe Diem. I created this podcast, Business of the Beat, through my own experience as a beauty executive to talk about, tell stories, and highlight the business of beauty through conversations with beauty and wellness entrepreneurs, intrapreneurs, helping to diversify the industry. This week on Business of the Beat. Writing personal thank you notes to wow. people, like individual, handwritten, in ink. Oh my mentioning gosh. even I even will go back and see if the name looks familiar. Is this a repeat customer? And I mentioned that. Thank you. I hope you're still loving these products. Oh, hope you love the ones you just ordered. <laughs> everyone, I'm your host, Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, and welcome to Business of the Beat. Today's guest, Emeka Anyanwu, founder of Emeka, is here, and I'm so excited for the conversation with her. But first, don't forget to follow, rate, and subscribe to Business of the Beat on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You don't want to miss an episode, and we also want to hear from you. Your feedback means so much. So while you're there, don't forget to review and leave a rating. And with that, let's talk about Ameka. Ameka is an attorney and entrepreneur. She worked as an attorney for a hospital system for several years with a focus on healthcare, regulatory, and operational matters. In September of 2018, she decided to take the leap and pursue her goal of increasing beauty consumers' awareness of and access to cosmetics, hair care, skin care, bath and body, and grooming products made from brands with melanin in mind, while also creating a platform for building a self-affirming community for those interested in seeing each other thrive and flourish in beauty, business, and life. She pitched this concept at the National Black MBA Association, DFW Chapters Ground Zero pitch competition in November of 2018 and she won first place. In April of 2019, she officially launched Emeka, an online retail space for Black-owned cosmetic, beauty, and grooming brands. Emeka is currently a retail partner for over 30 brands, including Gold, Rosen Skincare, Bolden, Amagaway Cosmetics, Q Noir, Curls, Myel Organics, Latched and Hook, and Scotch Porter, and the host of various events like Founders First Friday on Instagram Live and various shopping and beauty experiences. In December of 2019, the National Black MBA Association presented Ameka Anyanwu with the 2019 Empowering Visionaries Entrepreneur of the Year Award. We're so excited to have Ameka join us today on Business of the Beat. 
Thanks for inviting me. I'm excited to be on the show. I know we have so much to discuss. And first, 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 I have to tell you, in my next life, I am going to be a lawyer. That is my career of choice. So I'm like so inspired by you. And I also am from Texas. I was born in Germany, oh, wow. but I grew up in Texas and University of Texas. So I was a dragonette at Round Rock High School. And Wait, like I, I went to Stony Point. So I you did like Round Rock as well. Yeah. Oh, my <laughs> oh, wow. gosh. That is that is crazy. I'm part of Texas, but I had no idea. Most people probably don't even know what Round Rock is, you know, north of Austin. <laughs> exactly. Wow. That we actually have a Round Rock and that we really right. do have that. That yeah. is what a small world. I had no idea because I knew you lived in Dallas and I was like, this yeah. is so crazy because I had, to, so you know, so we did um, all of our like fundraising. It was like Pokey Joe's barbecue and we did fundraisers oh, yeah. with them. Pokey Joe's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh, that is such yeah. a small world. I lived up I-35, born in San Antonio, grew up Austin, high school, Round Rock, and then moved to Dallas a little over 10 years ago. So. Yeah, that, what a small world. I love this. Well, because I was going to tell you, I was just like, I'm just obsessed with the the fact that you're a lawyer, the UT connection. My um, Sally Beauty, I worked with Sally Beauty for three years and so went back and forth to Dallas. And one, like my dearest friends growing up, Shanae is a chemist at Mary Kay. So we're always mm. like going back and forth there. So that's a great starting point. So talk to us about your journey growing up, how you got here. Um, I just want to hear everything. I'm fascinated with the journey. Okay. Um, so my father is an attorney. Um, so I've kind of always had it in mind to follow in his footsteps and become an attorney. Um, so just a straight pathway. High school, went to undergrad in California, straight to law school, back home to Austin to go to UT. Um, took the bar and then got my first job as an attorney here in Dallas. I worked at the same county hospital district my entire career, um, so almost 10 years. And last year, around June, so we're almost at a month or a year of that, I actually decided to step away from that um, to focus on the business full time and kind of explore some other opportunities, including different areas of law. Um, so I started the business in 2018, or I started working on it. We officially launched April of 2019. And while I was working at the hospital district as an attorney, we had an opportunity to go to a local school to pursue our MBA um, and master's in healthcare leadership and management. So I took that opportunity. I've always wanted an MBA. So of course, while I'm practicing law full time, I'm also in this MBA program and just thinking about different opportunities to start my own business, um, because I think it's really important. You know, entrepreneurship is not for everyone, but I think it is important that everyone explores whether it may be for them. You know, when you think about um, the ability to build and direct your own legacy um, and build generational wealth, and especially as a Black woman, just knowing our experiences, like in corporate America, I think it's definitely something to at least explore. 
So it was in the back of my mind. Um, and around the same time that I'm in the program, you know, there are Black-owned beauty brands that are launching and getting a lot of national media coverage. Um, and one of the things I noticed, because I'm on a few newsletters for different, like, publications with articles focused on Black women, would there was, like, this influx of articles announcing new Black-owned beauty brands in some of the mainstream retailers, which is really exciting. Um, but in the back of your mind, you're like, but it's also exciting because it's so rare at the time, right? And so it's like, why is that? Um, so between the two, the announcements of more and more beauty brands that are black owned and the announcement of them getting on these mainstream shelves, I started to actually create this spreadsheet of black owned beauty brands. Um, and by the end of it, I realized there are so many out there. Like the spreadsheet was huge and of all the different categories. Um, and so just wondering, well, why aren't we kind of getting that shelf space to represent that? And in the research, you find out we are a huge consumer of beauty products, over-indexing in like all the categories. Um, so, and then when you think about kind of some of our shopping experiences that aren't that positive as well. Um, and so I thought it would be a good idea to kind of work to help to push the needle and close that gap between our shopping experience, our product selection, and the shelf space that we get. Um, and so that's why I thought of the idea of creating my own retail space that's dedicated to brands made with Mona in mind and for Black-owned beauty brands. Um, and so that's kind of how I ended up on this journey. <laughs> I, I love this story. It's so interesting because we have you know, there's so many varying degrees of education, right? And like, what's a fit for someone is not a fit for someone else. And we had another guest who hadn't gone to college and had to kind of grapple with that in their relationship with their parents. And it's so fascinating that your dad was a lawyer and that you said, let me, you know, let me go down this path. And I think there's a few things like taking advantage, right? So there's an opportunity to get an MBA. Let me take advantage of this, but let me also kind of explore what that means for me. And I love when you talk about entrepreneurship is not for everyone, because I think that there's so much now around being an entrepreneur and everyone mm -hmm. like I'm an entrepreneur, I'm an entrepreneur and not yeah. really understanding, you know, the depth of what that is. And I really, I, I comment, I like say that I have a mindset of an entrepreneur and an entrepreneur because I've built things yeah. in companies, but then I've also built my own. So talk a little bit about like that entrepreneurship journey, because you had to go from this legacy career while you're getting an MBA, coming up with something new and then stepping into the power and the, the realization that you're an entrepreneur. What, what was that? And how did you prepare yourself or, or I guess we're all still preparing. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> to becoming an entrepreneur. Um, you know, so for me, just as an attorney, obviously, I can be risk averse, right? Um, yes. And that is a challenge that I continue to face as an entrepreneur because, to some extent, I mean, it's risky. It's not easy, um, and you kind of have to push yourself in some ways to take the jump. Um, and so that is something that. I mean, I continue to face. Um, but what happened for me was I did this pitch competition. I did like all the legal work um, 
to set up the business, but hadn't officially launched. And I used it as an opportunity to see, is this, will other people think this is a viable concept? Should I really focus on this? Um, and I ended up winning. And so, and then Yay. not only did it give me some financial um, contributions, but also opportunities for like mentorship and working with different companies. Um, and that really kind of pushed me to go ahead and pursue it. Um, I think what I love most about being an entrepreneur is I love learning. I'm constantly learning. I love learning new things. Um, and especially if you're bootstrapping and you're trying to do everything, um, there's a lot to learn because there are a lot of moving parts to creating what you hope will be a successful business. Um, so that's the easy part for me, the learning, the new concepts and researching and webinars and taking notes. I have notes like on all types of notebooks and Google Drive documents. Um, and then it's the implementation of it and just constantly, you know, looking over it and revising things and trying again and keep pushing um, even when it feels like things may be slowing down or it's not turning out um, the way you would like for it to turn out. Um, and also when you see like competitors and kind of different things, especially with social media, it can look like, obviously everyone puts their best foot forward, you know, so when you see your competitors um, and what's going on with them, sometimes that can be a distraction or you're like, oh, am I doing enough or am I getting far enough? Um, and that's when it just comes down to like your passion, perseverance and vision um, and reminding yes. yourself of your mission, why you're doing it and why you want to create this for the world, basically. Um, and also, I always think about when I heard, you know, when you look down the bread aisle, there are so many different brands and they're all there. Um, there's a piece of the pie for everyone. Um and you have your own unique reason and story. So there's a reason that your business is there too. Oh my goodness. I, I, it's so touching because everything is like, there's so many different brands. There's so many different brands. How, how do I compete? How do I do it? And it's like, there's room for everyone and mm -hmm. everyone has a unique, it's finding that unique piece, right? Especially as exactly. a founder. Like founding that piece that's innate to you and then doing the tinkering and the pivoting and the research to get there. And I, I think it's interesting. You talk about implementation. So we can come up with ideas. I literally at like 3.53 this morning, I woke up and I was like, oh, my gosh, I've got to write this down. This is like so good. This is so good. And I'm like writing it down. So it's like we as visionaries and founders, like we can come up with things like, I don't know, it's like water. It's like candy. You're like, I, I like love the energy of it, but it is the implementation. I think as an entrepreneur, you know, there's no shortage of like vision and ideas and being able to kind of write it down. But we get stuck on implementation and that's like in the form of building teams or having the right team, knowing when to hire. So what was that moment when you went from, I love learning new things. I've won this grant program. Um, I have this idea now I need to implement. Did you have a partner? Did you hire someone? What were those implementation kind of first days like? Um, so, and I will say it was not just after the pitch competition, but even like 
last year I really got into because you know everyone switched to virtual so there were so many free <laughs> webinars and conferences coming out um and it was when I realized I was like wait this is like days on days of conferences and this is great um but <laughs> we need to spend most of our day actually <laughs> doing stuff because I I'm telling you, I could get lost in learning I just love it so much um and so for me, it was just getting back to putting individual tasks on my to-do list. Um, and that really helped um, because I've always been kind of OCD with my planner, like since undergrad, you know, in undergrad, it yes. was like in a book and every day had like this list of things and I was just knocking them out. Um, so that's been really helpful for me, just breaking it down, like individual things. So every day I have to face it, like, did you do this task? Did you do that task um, to really um, push myself to like, yeah, mm-hmm. you need to get these done before you even watch another webinar. <laughs> or and if not, sorry, you just had to skip it. It was free anyway. So <laughs> um, that really helped me to get back into that rhythm and just reminding myself learning is great, but learning is not a business. So, <laughs> yes, so that, yes, um, yes. that's what helped me for that. You know, that's such a good tip, especially we have so many entrepreneurs, people starting businesses, even, you know, um, people that have been in the profession and the industry for a long time. That's a great tip with the individual task. I had my mortar board. I went to Purdue and it was our mortar board and I kept them. I have like four years worth, but it set me up for now because it's like. I'll wake up early in the morning and I'll be like, okay, you have an hour and a half. You've got to be very focused and I'll do my AM to-do list of the three to four things that I know I can tackle that are important. And then I'll have my longer list, but you're right. It's kind of, it's really the, the best way I think to kind of stay focused. So that's a good, that's a really good tip. And then I also want to talk through, so you mentioned competitors and I think that it's interesting because you started your business in 2019. You were ahead of what was going to come in 2020. You were ahead of the 15% pledge. You were ahead of all these things. So how has that kind of impacted your business, helped your business, paved way for similar concepts? Like what kind of talk me through the impact? Um. So, yeah, I would say on the one end, um, with 2020 definitely helped in the sense that um, it increased awareness of many Black-owned beauty brands as well as retailers that focus on Black-owned beauty brands. I did see like a huge jump in sales and social media engagement um, and um, customers reposting and resharing on their social media, right? Because that was the thing to kind of show you were shopping black on brands. Um, and it also um, diversified my customer base. Um, before that, um, it was mostly um, black consumers. And in 2020, there was some change, a shift uh, where it was non-black consumers as well. Um, and also, I think it helped to get me some um, national press opportunities as well. Um, so that was great and definitely a positive. Um, there was or it seemed like there was definitely an increase in retailers that joined the space that focused on black owned brands specifically or BIPOC brands. Um, 
But ultimately, I mean, that's part of my vision is being a part of pushing that needle. So it's always great to see, right? Um, more retailers doing the same thing, seeing um, Targets and Sephora's increase the amount of Black-owned brands, right? Because that means the needle is continuing to be pushed. Um, so it's definitely um, great to see. And it also led me to, like you mentioned before, when you have competitors, obviously part of that is also how do you differentiate yourself? So taking some time to go back um, to the drawing board and thinking about, you know, how, what is my differentiator and how do I amplify that? How do I showcase that? Um, And some pivoting kind of in messaging to help to amplify that. You know, it is, it's the, the, the fun thing I think in terms of having a business is that pivot and like being aware as a founder to know, like I've created something that's really great, but there's always room for growth. Right. And so there's this like management of ego and saying in order for this to um, continue to grow and excel, there may be things that I need to go back and look at. And I think that it's, it's the mark of a great founder. And I mean, even just to brag and congratulate you I was reading um, an article and it says that you registered a 600 increase in units sold and nearly 720, 724% jump in revenues and an almost 367% hike in total orders and that your website traffic was up 453%. Like I have chills yeah. reading this because that's amazing. How did you manage that growth so quickly? Um, I mean, it it was shocking at first. It was a huge influx. Um, and you know, you just kind of have to step up and get it done. Um, you know, it's part of the huge influx is because obviously, like we just discussed with 2020 and everything happening, um, there was a huge growth for things like black owned beauty brands as well as like black owned bookstores, right? And I had just launched in 2019. So of course there was going to be like this huge jump uh, in comparison. Um, But it was exciting. uh, And it was like validation of the concept. And so that kind of kept me motivated, just keep pushing, get it done, get these orders done, you know, continuing, obviously had to buy more supplies and things of that nature. The budget is going up, right? Because when the sales are coming in, so it's the cost of goods sold and buying more inventory. Um, and it also kind of pushed me to expand my virtual shelf space. So looking at other brands to add on and different types of products that people might be interested in. So towards the end of last year, I even decided to bring on actual hair. So I became a retail partner with like Latched and Hooks and Natural Girl Wigs. So we had like braiding hair, crochet hair, wigs. And that's something that was like part of the pivot. Like I hadn't thought about it before, but just looking at kind of what was happening in the industry and what consumers were searching for and talking about and looking for, that was an opportunity um, that I decided to pursue. Um, So yeah, it was about pivoting, growing, looking at what consumers are asking for. I did a lot more surveying, of my customers and followers who weren't yet customers. Um, so it was a good opportunity to kind of expand on the brand and what we were doing. 
And you're just so smart. Like I've read a lot about your customer service and it sounds like, like that's fueled so much of it. Like you're answering every email, you're using social media. Like, do you, how do, how are you doing customer service? We get that question a lot. Like, do I keep it in house? Like me as a founder, do I need to answer everything? Do I outsource it? Like what have been some tips that you can give? Because as the business grows, so does customer service. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I mean, because when I think about customer service, and especially as an e-commerce brand, you know, it's harder to get that personal touch. So one of the things that from the beginning I started with and I continue to do is writing personal thank you notes two people like individual handwritten in ink oh my mentioning even i even will go back and see if the name looks familiar is this a repeat customer and i mentioned that thank you i hope you're still loving these products hope you love the ones you just ordered (laughs) and yeah and so when there was that huge jump it was like that's a lot of notes to write (laughs) but i just Um, you know, your hands get tired. Um, and because I like to try to ship them out by the next morning, sometimes go out and ship on the same day. Um, but it's just, that's really important because I have to remember like the customer service that I would want the customer service that would make me return as a customer. Um, and also remember again, it's e-commerce. So it's important to have that personal touch, especially when nowadays, Customers really want to know who's behind the brand and they want a connection to that person behind the brand. Um, You know, you can't just be, you know, a website and that's it. So I think that's really important. So I just try to keep that in mind that it's a way to connect with them and have them connect with the person behind the brand. It is. I mean, it is such um, it's such a responsibility and it's such an honor to be a founder And because of social media, like consumers feel like they should be able to touch you and talk to you and like understand. And I think that that's such a key piece when we talk about the differences and, you know, with the different brands that are out there, like what is that differentiation point? And it really does come down to the touch of the founder, you know, and being very fortunate. Like I was so fortunate I was able to work as the first director of digital media at Ralph Lauren and to be able to like be in meetings with Ralph Lauren and David Lauren. And, you know, that's the epitome of kind of the founder story in terms of the longevity, the history. And so I have such a, like, I am so passionate about it. And I have such a sweet spot in my heart for founders because it is a journey and you bear the weight of so much, but listening to the customers and getting that insight, that's really kind of the Holy grail of making I think all of this work and making sure that you're moving your brands in a way that's aligned with your consumer. Cause we can get caught up in what we want, but it's ultimately what the consumer wants in delivering their needs. Exactly. And let's talk about funding because I think it's really, you know, it's interesting what's happening now, right? So we have all of these um, initiatives to support, especially like black founders, but we're still not seeing the parity or near parity in terms of funding, right? So the stats still haven't changed in terms of black women receiving less than, you know, 1% of funding. Um, We're still not seeing this increase in terms of bank loans and debt financing available to our community. 
And I thought that was interesting. So you self-funded to start the company. And I think it's, you know, we all are trying to figure out how to support that. I have something coming out this fall that I'd love for you to be a part of to figure out how we can help with capital. But what what was that journey like and what advice can you give to others? And have you seen that shifting at all on your side in terms of funding options available to us? Um, yeah, so the statistics are definitely disappointing, um, especially for black women. Um, for me, I mean, I'm continuing to bootstrap. I will say that I... I did have the opportunity to get like a line of credit and a credit card when I opened my um, business bank account, but it was with, I don't know how they made the decision. They offered both to me. Um, I have been with that bank since I was 18 though. So I don't, I don't know what um, the decision was. So I've definitely been on the lucky side of that, that at least I did have that to kind of help as a cushion. Um, um, one of the things that I always say um, is if you're working full time and you're starting a business, I know it can seem like it's the thing to do is to focus full time on your business um, and to step away from where you're working. But I always say if you have the ability to manage both, like if you can manage your business successfully while also managing your job successfully then i would stay for as long as i can balance both um because that is a source of income that one is going to help to fund your business because like you mentioned before it's not easy getting funding especially as a black woman um and two so that you, because it can be stressful running a business, but your bills are not going to stop just because you decided <laughs> to, to start a business full time. Yes. They still want you to pay your bills. Um, and so that will also help that, right? Because you'll still be able to pay your bills while also investing in your business. Um, and the other thing that I do is I still do not take money out of my business. All the profits and sales it stays in that business account. I never withdraw from it. Um, so those are like the two things I say as someone who, you know, bootstraps kind of on my own, stay in your nine to five as long as you can balance both and um, continue to reinvest in your business. And for as long as you can, you know, let it stay there and use it for your business as opposed to pulling out. I mean, that's for me. I know there are differing opinions, but no, but, it, you know, and all the opinions, I think it's important because everyone has to figure out their own journey and everyone yeah. has their own circumstance. Like when I started my first company, my business partner had her own beauty brands on HSN and I was working full time at Ralph Lauren and we came together with this idea and we were fortunate because I could stay at my full-time job. And when it got to this place where we were like, oh my gosh, we have a company. I remember I went to David Lauren and I was like, I have this idea. I'm going to manage bloggers and we're starting a company. And he was literally like, well, as long as they're wearing Ralph Lauren. And so it gave us grace to be able to do it. And I know that that I was fortunate to have that, but I also knew that I needed to be transparent in what, in what mm -hmm. I was doing because of the way that you know, because of my daytime job was that, 
But I also agree with you. Like we didn't have um, a big bank account. We were able to do it because we bootstrapped. And, and that job that I had enabled me, to your point, to help to build up the company until it got to the point where it was like, okay, we're... <laughs> We're doing it, but I think that that we get so um, we get so in this place of like I'm starting a company, I gotta jump in. But I love what you said: the bills don't stop, life doesn't stop because you right. decided to, and the responsibilities that you have. For many of us, we don't have the fund or the ability to just stop working and focus on that one thing. So I think that that advice is great. And the other thing that you said was just having you had been at your bank since you were 18. And I think that that's another hard thing that I'm finding in our community is like the trust in banks are jumping from bank to bank and like building that um, history with the bank is important and understanding financial literacy and financial health. Like you started this conversation talking about generational wealth and that is so crucial, especially for us. Like that's what we're working yeah. towards. So you know, I love that you brought that up because I don't think that we talk about, we don't talk about it enough or have enough knowledge about the importance of banks. So thank you for that. So the last thing is, um, well, I guess there's two things because we always have to ask you our fun final question, but I also just wanted to talk about the future and, you know, what's, what's motivating you? What's driving your passion? What do you see for yourself for the company, for the brands that you serve? Yeah, so um, with, you know, we're still in a pandemic, um, but things are certainly opening back up. Um, so definitely looking at opportunities to do in-person events again um, and looking at, you know, even opening potentially a brick and mortar space and what does that look like? And I'm really um, excited about that because like I mentioned, I love to learn new things. So, you know, I've been learning kind of about what people are expecting in the retail space. Um, and I'm really excited to see that it's more like community and experience based um, because that's something that I really enjoy and have always envisioned for the brand. I mean, even in our first year, um, I was putting on um, like a free what was it called? Melanin Monday mastermind meetings for like dinner <laughs> and business owners could come in and we, you know, it was a mastermind. So we kind of worked together to help each other continue to grow and push. Um, so I really um, enjoy doing things like that. So I'm excited to look at opportunities to create in-person events again and creating maybe some, a permanent space for the business, a physical space, um, and engaging with customers and just people generally in different ways. Um, and of course, involving the Black-owned beauty brand. So I'm really excited for that. Oh my, I'm so excited for this. I like see it as you're talking. I just like see this like super inviting communal space and there's all these great products and we're coming in and we're interacting and hanging yeah. out. And there's like a coffee bar with like black owned coffee. I'm just like so excited. Have you been space. looking at my notes? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like tracking with you. I am there. I want to be there when this opens. I'm going to be like the first person in line. I love this vision. And you're right. It's the community and the experience. And so that's just fantastic. I love this vision. So before we close out, we always ask now this one is going to be hard for you because you have so many babies, you have so many loves 
in your store. So we always yeah. ask like, what's a favorite brand that you're coveting? So you may need to go the other way. I'm not going to steer you in this. This is like your answer, but what's a brand that you want to share that we should all check out? Okay. Um, I, I'm, can I cheat and maybe pick at least two? I mean, yes, yes. Okay. So, <laughs> so our, our best seller and customer favorite or personal favorite is Black Girl Sunscreen. Like, yes. as soon as I put it on our virtual shelves, it was like instantly a best seller. It continues to be that. Um, and then we also have Omolewa Cosmetics, a range of makeup from that brand. Um, really popular is like the primer and mattifiers. Okay, I slipped in three. Sorry. <laughs> um, so yeah, those are two of my favorites. But like you said, I love all of the brands. They are all amazing, amazing products. Um, yeah, they're all great. So I, I love, love it. We had um, Shantae was on the show a few weeks ago, but make sure that you check out hers because we are heat fans. Whenever she sends some things and. I'm like, love black girl sunscreen. Like, of course, we met through 25 Black Women of Beauty. And my daughter, who is six, who is like a really great swimmer, her swim coach came to the house and Tierra was like putting on her sunscreen. And the swim teacher, who's a white woman, who's been t coaching her for years, was about to use it. And Tierra's like, mm, this is just for black girls. My mom told me my skin is precious. And so we have, we have this product just for us. <laughs> took it out of her hand and I was like oh my oh. god she was like my skin is precious in my mind I was like oh, oh. my goodness oh my gosh <laughs> give the lady the sunscreen um so I I love this conversation I love what you were building like I truly 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 do and you were paving the way for so many brands to have the opportunity to really excel. And I'm excited for your vision, for the store, for your events. I will be there. And thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I love the conversation. And every week I share an influencer I'm checking out. Make sure to follow Omaluwa Cosmetics at Omaluwa underscore cosmetics. Thank you for that recommendation, Emeka. And as always, I want to leave you with one thing from today's guest, and that is figure out your unique differentiation point. There will always be competition. It's important that you know your vision, that you have your passion, and that you continue to move your brand forward. So follow, rate, and subscribe to Business of the Beat on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You don't want to miss an episode. Thank you. Talk next week. Business of the Beat is hosted by Kendra Bracken Ferguson, assistant producer Jenny Salk, executive producer Kendra Bracken Ferguson, and Celessa Baker. Edited by Fishmar Creative. Executive producers Ken Johnson, Andrew Kalb, and Omar Thompson. Find Business of the Beat podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Amazon, Radio.com, or where you get your podcast. Please follow, subscribe, and rate us. Business of the Beat is a Say It Loud Network production.